Hello, welcome to episode number 16 of the Foodie Flashback, the podcast where we talk about food, food-related memories, and just everything that goes with that. Um, I have a special guest every week, and this week uh, it's someone I've definitely been looking very much forward to um, since we've talked about food on other podcasts quite a bit. Um, it's Chris Ashley. How are you doing? I am doing absolutely fantastic. And honestly, uh, this is my first. So I've, like you mentioned, I've talked a lot of food on other on tech podcasts that we've been <laughs> on, but I've never actually been on a food podcast. So I was actually super excited to because I always feel bad when I go down these tangents and I'm like, <laughs> oh, I'm talking about this and that. And all of a sudden I'm like, oh, man, we just spent 15 minutes talking about chicken. <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> That's nothing. <laughs> Yeah, I am surprised you don't have a food uh, podcast yet, because I mean, as much as you care about food and you talk about food, I would have suspected you already created one. I thought about it, but uh, the hard part is tr always trying to find a unique angle to have mm -hmm. that conversation. And then is it a conversation that you can do every week? Yeah. So, uh, mm -hmm. so it's something I've, I've definitely considered, uh, at least, you know, tips and tricks or you know it's just a 30 minute of what are you cooking today or something like that mm -hmm. I, don't, I don't know <laughs> um but uh, i just haven't figured out what angle would appease me that would be willing to do it every week or once a month or something like that and just have a good time with it because that's key right is yeah. consistency and you know if you get people listening you don't want to just stop and exactly know, like yo i need that yeah you <laughs> <laughs> should do like the the chris ashley barbecue podcast or something like that <laughs> and listen, there's a there is a lack of barbecue podcasts from what I've seen. Yeah, definitely. And uh, you know, so it's I've I tried to listen to a few and they weren't great. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, they covered a lot of different things, but the overall, you know, the, the hosts were rather boring to me. And you know, I, I I don't know. So yeah, there's definitely a need out there because there's so much you can talk about. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe at one some point I'll figure. <laughs> yeah um as you can like already hear we're definitely going to talk about it here today um but uh like like maybe people who don't know you like other than like barbecuing and like doing tech podcasts uh what do you do yeah so i actually am a product manager for a software company and uh i have about uh, four different products that i manage um they're enterprise level uh software uh, so probably you work for a company that uses at least one piece of software that uh, <laughs> uh, that the company I work for works on mm -hmm. or, uh, you know, maybe my my pro one of the products I actually manage is there. So I've been doing that, uh, been doing product management probably the, the last uh, uh, 10 years. Before that, I was a systems engineer going out and implementing solutions into mm -hmm. different organizations. Um, before that, I was a help desk. You know, it's the natural progression. You go help desk, then yeah. you go somewhere in a different direction. But before that, I actually worked in restaurants. Wow. So, uh, I, uh, I, I originally thought I was going to uh, get into restauranting and mm -hmm. cooking. And um, I had, I had, I took culinary arts in high school, uh, which was very different because it's very different from home ec because you actually learn how to, uh, you know, manage the business. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and um, you had, uh, we actually had a full bore restaurant in the in the uh wow. in the high school we were the only one that had the program and um I, I remember you know the teacher i had um she was awesome miss barbaccia i'll never forget her she was such a <laughs> lovely lady 
And uh, we actually, she decided to open up the restaurant once a week for lunch. Uh And we were doing so well that we were actually hurting the business of the regular cafeteria. And the school (laughs) shut us down because you cannot have another entity Mm -hmm. that causes the cafeteria to lose money. it It was a lot of fun in high school and we learned so much. And she got us internships at hotels. So I interned at the Crown Plaza, interned at the Marriott and their wow. restaurants, working with their cooks mm-hmm. and uh, just learning a lot. And uh, yeah, so like, restaurants I originally thought I was I was going to get into, but I kind of got burned out really quick. Yeah, a lot of people do. <laughs> yeah. And so I just kind of end up change, changing directions after uh-huh. that. So, yeah, so I work in tech, but just enterprise tech. But I've always had a passion for mobile tech and that's mm-hmm. why we started our podcast but food has always been a big part of my life yeah we're already, we're already going into a different direction than i thought we would go so this is going to be really interesting um but let's maybe start very very much at the beginning um i always like to ask the question like what's your definition of a foodie and the, the follow-up is like do you consider yourself one so for me when i think of the term foodie it's some to me, it's just somebody that really enjoys eating food, but has a level of knowledge that can critique the different types of foods that they mm-hmm. eat. Uh, and, you know, it's a, it's a new term, uh, you know, the last couple of years. And, I, you know, what I consider myself a foodie, I've always thought about that. Am I a foodie? Because mm-hmm. I do take pictures of stuff when I go out to restaurants mm-hmm. and, you know, and I do have a, an ability to critique uh, the, many of the foods that I eat. But I've always told... I've always thought about, could I be like when I watch these food shows, like, could I be a judge or Mm -hmm. when I watch, you know, could I compete on some of these shows? And the one thing that uh, holds me back, which is why I don't consider myself a foodie is because I don't eat shrimp. I don't (laughs) eat any shellfish and I can't stand it. In fact, Mm -hmm. the smell could literally make me immediately start vomiting. And I can't, it just, I can't stand it. And Mm -hmm. I see all these shows and they're always eating some type of shellfish and finding and creative ways to do stuff with it. And of course, as a, as a good cook, you should be tasting your food along the way. I can't taste it. Mm -hmm. Right. So I feel like because I have this kryptonite, I can never be fully indoctrinated into (laughs) the world of the foodie. You know what I mean? Because there's plenty of food that I will just like, not, not even close. Don't even bring it my direction. (laughs) <laughs> that's a that's a that's a i think this might be if the first definition like in this direction in general like i've, I've heard like like over the last 15 episodes i've heard different definitions of what a foodie is and like some something is more like snob and something but but you're saying like and, and i think that that's very interesting you're saying it's just someone that really cares about it but cares about all of it like all yeah. aspects doesn't matter and what I it is yeah. And, you know, I know a lot of people, they get annoyed when they see people post pictures of food. Mm-hmm. But to me, it's just like, you know what? People enjoy eating mm-hmm. and it, it does, you know, breaking bread with somebody uh, really breaks down a lot of barriers. It's a you know, it, it's a bonding experience. Definitely. And so it now that we have so much social media, there's just means to kind of mm-hmm. break bread across the wire, right oh, across yes. the Internet. <laughs> And I, you know, so I never understood why people don't like it mm-hmm. or they always feel, well, you're taking a picture of your food, you're going out to eat. So you're a snob like no, they're <laughs> just sharing with you something that they are about to enjoy and, mm-hmm. you know, feel the joy in it or just ignore it. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So, yeah, I've never looked at it in that direction. 
at all. Mm-hmm. And I enjoy if I go somewhere, man, I've taken pictures of wings. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'll, I'll get exactly. wings and I'll take pictures of because I love wings. And I'm like, I'm about to destroy this plate of wings. And I want you to know that mm-hmm. I'm about to destroy this plate of wings. <laughs> yeah. No, that's definitely right. There's something to that. I mean, I've, like, as you said it, uh, as you phrase it, I've broken bread with people halfway across the world, like yeah. from, from like here, Europe to Hawaii. And uh, there is something that that's, it bonds you to people. Uh, an intimate thing when you're yeah. eating food you know now i you know i have a other side to me that's like i can't listen to people eat food so when Ooh, i'm gaming yeah. on my xbox and <laughs> people start eating in the mic i'm like listen i know you don't know me so i'm going to tell you once i can't listen to you eat mm-hmm. so eat <laughs> yeah. your mic or we're done yeah you know? I, i'm definitely but, the same <laughs> I, I hate yeah. doing that yeah I, i have more the problem with like instagram or post- posting on social i forget Like I'm, I, I get so into the food that I have in front of me, especially if it's something really good that I just forget taking a picture. So half of the pictures I post are like empty plates. <laughs> it's like, okay, look what I just ate. <laughs> just trust me, it was delicious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, or or like, I mean, like you go out with I don't know the company. Like, I mean, you do that probably as a product manager as well. Um, and like you have like a really nice like three four course meal, and it's really good. And you have like pictures of like maybe one dish, right? Right. <laughs> Because like, the other oh. three times you just forgot. <laughs> yeah, I've done I've done that plenty of times too. Or like, oh, let me borrow your plate so I can take a picture oh, yes. of your plate because I already dug into mine. It's exactly. not as aesthetically pleasing. I did that too. Yeah, <laughs> there's definitely something to that. Yeah, that's that's my problem. Like half of the time, like um, I mean, you, you know, Doc Rock, like right? he was on, mm-hmm. on one of the first episodes. He's really good at it. Like he takes like. Almost every time he has something that he thinks is, is good or looks good, he'll take a picture first. I'm just in there. Right. <laughs> I'm like, like, oh. And then, like, maybe I'll realize halfway through and then, or like after like a minute or so, and then, as you said, take someone else's photo, like, like take, take a picture of someone else's plate or something. Right, right. Um, or I'll be just, eh, eh. Who cares? Not this <laughs> just, time. Right? No, not this time. Like, I can do that next time. <laughs> yeah. I more enjoy taking pictures of food that I cook. Mm hmm. Yeah. Uh, than other food, but I will definitely if I go to, uh, it, it, it's funny. I don't. It's not mid range, right? For me, it's either mm-hmm. I'm going to like a bar and I'm getting some wings or mm-hmm. like some sliders or something like that, and I just you know I love the aesthetics of that finger food that tastes yeah. so good and so satisfying to me. Mm-hmm. Or I'm going to a super high end, yeah. you know, two hundred dollar steak, you know, <laughs> restaurant and taking pictures of this ridiculous you know art that's coming out on a plate you know yeah yeah it's that's definitely something to that um that brings me i mean kind of back or maybe a little bit before um i mean we talked already a little bit about your high school days but like i want to go like even a couple years before that what are your like your earliest first memories that you have about either cooking or food in general so for me it's it's a couple things and first off my family's jamaican Mm -hmm. and so Uh, my mom, you know, we went to church every Sunday and came back for the big church dinner. And then there was always these huge, uh, get togethers, uh, periodically throughout the year. Um, and where, you know, the potlucks and, and all of these things. So, um, watching my mom prepare for any big occasion, especially Thanksgiving, um, is something that's always stood out to me because my mom is a fantastic cook 
um, you know, I had uh, grew up with five brothers, mm-hmm. uh, so and no sisters, and we're all big guys. And so she had to be creative and create large meals. Um, but they were always, you know, within our wheelhouse, you know, the jerk chicken and mm-hmm. the callaloo and the saltfish and aki and, you know, things that are in our culture. Um, but she also went out of her way to make sure that we weren't, that we were Americanized as well. So, mm-hmm. you know, we had the burgers and the meatloaf and all that type of stuff too. But uh, I remember, man, I was probably about maybe 10 and we're, uh, my mom, the first thing my mom did was like, come here, boy. And she called me upstairs mm-hmm. and she was like, I'm going to teach you how to iron. And uh, so she brought me in the room and she showed me how to play, you know, pants on an iron and, you know, pleated. And then, mm-hmm. and then, you know, later on that year, she was like, all right, come on and uh, help me, you know, in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I started helping her around Thanksgiving helping her get, you know, prep the food and start cooking and just messing around with little stuff that she would allow me to do mm-hmm. because my mom's like very, you know, I got this, get out of my way <laughs> um, type of person as, yeah. as I am as well. And um, so, you know, back, so early on was, there was a peak interest there in how you could, how a person could prepare mm-hmm. for so many people. Right. Because people always came to my mom's house for dinner. Yeah. You know, we had multiple families uh, there all the time for mm-hmm. uh, and for meals. And uh, my mom cooked it all, mm-hmm. you know, and it would. And the other part of the aspect of that is that we never ran out of food. There was always leftovers. Mm-hmm. There was plenty of food for everybody. You could eat as much as you wanted. Never ran out. Always leftovers. And, you know, my mom also she was a lady that worked two jobs, you know, like mm-hmm. typical Americans in yeah. this country, you got to work multiple jobs to make ends meet. Right. Mm-hmm. My dad worked two jobs. My mom worked two jobs. Um, and we were home alone a lot. And, uh, so the other thing that she would do is like sun, we would have these huge Sunday meals, mm-hmm. but that made it easier throughout the week yeah. where we could just heat up leftovers. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Or she would come in and, you know, she cooked chicken one way, on Sunday, that chicken would then be mm-hmm. repurposed, and you know, so maybe she'd add a sauce to it and reuse mm-hmm. it, and then you know, it's it's dinner the next, you know, after two days or something like that. Mm-hmm. So, and those habits are things that have stood with me today. Yeah. Um. The, and so that shows quite early on. Yeah, that shows quite a lot of creativity as well. I mean, cooking like cooking it one way, like one day, and then like turning it around and doing something completely yeah. different the next day. I always remember where she would like maybe make a fried chicken on a Sunday mm-hmm. and then on, you know, maybe Wednesday that chicken would be sitting in a, in a, in a pot stewing with, uh, with the tomato sauce and all kinds of herbs and stuff like that. Um, and it, it, it would be every bit as ridiculous on mm-hmm. Wednesday as it was on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Cause it just, it was just like a whole new thing. It was already cooked. Um, and you know, and I love chicken. If you, if yeah, you know, if <laughs> hasn't figured if hasn't figured that out yet, you know, we grew up on it. We ate it almost mm-hmm. every day. To what you know, through two two times, you know, lunch, dinner didn't mm-hmm. matter. I love it. I love it in every different form. But mm-hmm. just fried chicken, baked, grilled doesn't matter. You mm-hmm. know, it it's it's something I grew up on. Um, and you know, my mom, the one of the my mom was a hospice nurse, mm-hmm. um, so. And for folks that don't know, she took care of dying uh, patients. And so she she had a, a client that she 
was taken care of and the husband actually sold like uh chicken so he had a he had like um you know so he would you know he loved my mom so much he would always like here take a case with him so she would always come home with a case of chicken wow and that would come home my dad would have to you know cut it up and Mm -hmm. clean it up and you know and then they would store it into uh bags and never got old to me Mm -hmm. it's one of my favorite things Yeah, chicken. Chicken is is. Um, I mean, uh, unless you're like vegetarian or something, for me at least, it's, it's a magical, magical it, being. It, I don't know how to expri- describe it. It's amazing how it uh, how many different forms you can cook mm-hmm. it in. It really doesn't resemble each other. Mm-hmm. Like you know, to me, like if I fry a chicken, it's completely different than when I grill it. Yeah. Right. And then when I smoke it, it's completely different from the other two. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, you know, and then if I, if I uh, grill a chicken, but then I julienne it when I slice it mm-hmm. and I lay it over a salad, it then takes on another aspect. Oh, yes. It's just, it's just amazing. It, you know, and um, I don't know if anybody's ever thought that deeply <laughs> about chicken, <laughs> but uh, I just enjoy it. And so, and in, in mm-hmm. all its aspects mm-hmm. um, and, you know, when, even what, when you try and d- different parts, you know, the, you know, when you know the d- dark meat or white meat and, mm-hmm. you know, I remember I used to work in fast food as well. Um, and became a manager, one of our fast food restaurants out here. And so quickly having to learn the difference between white meat and dark meat and how to, uh, how to quickly spot it, you know, because when you're serving it, you definitely, as I became a manager, you're like, mm-hmm. hey, 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 what are you doing? They ordered dark meat. You put in a breast in that box. You know, <laughs> that's out of my bonus, right? So mm-hmm. it's like, no, 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 no. We, we you know, here's the difference. You know, mm-hmm. this one is more square. This one's more triangular. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a bit usually bigger. You know what I mean? All the little things you have to point out to people <laughs> underneath you mm-hmm. um, uh, to make sure that, you know, you, you are so, yeah, it's just, it's all this, these memories. You know, I became a, I became a manager at the fast food restaurant at, at 19. Well, that's and, very early. Uh, and yeah, so that's part of the reason why I got so burned out because as a manager, right, you're opening the store, you're getting the mm-hmm. store at like five o'clock in the morning. And here, um, I don't know how consistent this is, but a lot of times the managers are responsible for picking up their openers, right? So mm-hmm. if you had to open a store, you you would literally drive and pick up your your workers mm-hmm. um, unless they had a vehicle, which then you were lucky. But if they didn't, a lot of times they would be waiting on the corner for you, you would pick them up on the way into work, um, open the store, let them you know, start, you know, prepping. And of course that would be breakfast and stuff like that. And it's a lot of work to open a restaurant. You know, you, would, mm. you know, you, especially like a fast food restaurant, you, you know, where we serve biscuits and all that stuff. And we made the biscuits fresh. Wow. So here goes the flour into the, into the pan with the shortening and mm-hmm. you know rolling that out and then getting the best and getting all the grills on. And while I'm helping her, um, you know, get that stuff done. I'm also counting all the tills to make sure that the night shift didn't short me on any of the registers, right? Because you're responsible mm-hmm. if that if that's short. So, um, yeah, it was a lot of work to get that done. And you know, at the night shift, you know, you're there. You know, it, you know, people always say, "Oh, the restaurant closes at ten o'clock." Yeah, the restaurant closes at ten o'clock, but we <laughs> might not be out of there until twelve. Yeah, you know, one lucky. o'clock in the morning yeah. if you're lucky, right? And then you know, God help you if it's an inventory coming mm-hmm. up or inspection coming up, because then you're there till three. You know, many times I've been there three, four in the morning. I've mm-hmm. got hoses and I'm hosing down the entire restaurant. You know, we had these fifty mm-hmm. foot hoses and everything. The restaurant had to be spotless. Um, you know, when you had these inspections come in, so. Um, yeah, that's something that can really wear you down, uh, mm-hmm. at the time. But, you know, I, I guess at the time I was, 
you know, making decent money. I was making almost like 30,000 a year yeah. at 19. So, um, at the time that was, that was a bad, lot of money. You know I mean? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, it, and, but it, you know, a lot of great memories, a lot of, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of, uh, great people I've met. Some of them, I, many of them, I still talk to to this day. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, but I learned a lot there too, you know, which is time management and mm-hmm. prepping and, uh, and, and managing and people. Just, managing people, which yeah. is probably, I have to say, one of the hardest mm-hmm. skills to develop. Um, and one of the, like, if I would tell people, like, if you had a chance, go work at a fast food restaurant, mm-hmm. because the all the personalities you have to deal with, all the, you know, you learn how to cook some mm-hmm. basic stuff. I learned how to fry chicken there, you know, what I mean, mm-hmm. even though my mom did it, um, she had her way. But, mm-hmm. you know, I, I learned there like to me the best way the, the best way to bread anything before you fry it is to flour liquid flour mm-hmm. right a lot of people just do you know they'll just flour and uh, or liquid and then flour and then off yeah. it goes and nope. stuff like that <laughs> to me you have to dust the meat first that allows the liquid to bond to it and create a paste mm-hmm. and then when you put it back in the flour then you get a nice coating of that of that flour. And then that becomes like a great breading on the outside of it. Mm-hmm. So, um, I, I remember one of the fans of my show sent me a fried, uh, tofu sandwich recipe mm-hmm. and it was, uh, completely vegan. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the things and what they did was instead of, uh, using egg, egg wash, they used mustard, which I thought was super interesting. Um, and people may think that, uh, if you cook with mustard, um, your food comes out tasting like mustard and it absolutely no. does not. No, it does not. Um, and mustard is very popular in the barbecue mm-hmm. world mm-hmm. Um, uh, as, as, a, as a bonding yeah. or whatever season yeah, yeah. you're putting on. <laughs> funny funny uh, enough, I literally made, uh, like, I mean, I'm in Austria right now, so I made a schnitzel. Uh, um, it uh, has mustard in the, it has mustard in the breading. Yeah, and you would never yeah, know it. You would never know it. You would never know it. Never no. know it. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, but, the, but the, when they described it, they were like, Oh, just put it in the mustard, put the breading on it, and then fry. I was like, uh-uh-uh. Uh-uh-uh. <laughs> so I was like, this recipe is a great start, but I'm going to have to tweak it quite mm-hmm. a bit because, you know, that some of it doesn't follow my conventional wisdoms mm-hmm. and stuff that I've learned to do. So, and made a great sandwich. I, I absolutely enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's uh, I mean, there is, there is like home cooking and there's professional cooking, and there's, there's a major difference. And, Yeah. Those are like the little things. I mean, uh, like if you're if you're making, I don't know, like uh, uh, like chick- once a year you make chicken or whatever. It probably doesn't matter whether you know how to like properly like right. make it, because I mean you make it once and then yeah, it's done. But if you have to do that like seven times a, a day at least, uh, yeah, <laughs> a yeah. different story. Yeah, and you're taking a case of chicken and you're mm-hmm. like, okay, you know, or the the famous things that anybody that's worked in a fast food restaurant knows is when the tour bus comes up, mm-hmm. you know, and that tour bus pulls, you just look out the window and your mm-hmm. heart just it. drops. You're <laughs> like, Oh no, this is, you know, you're batting down the hatchets, <laughs> you know, full alert. And mm-hmm. then, you know, and you know, when they're, when the driver's cool, they're like, Hey, mm-hmm. you know, I got about, you know, 60 people are, can you handle it? And then, you know, mm-hmm. and normally it's like, yes. And you know, you normally give the driver his food for free because he brought him there. Right. Yeah. So, no problem. And then, you know, you just start hopping and, you know, grabbing, you know, 
cases and cases of yeah. chicken and flouring and breading them and getting them in the fryer as quickly as possible. 13 yeah. minutes, boom, done. Yeah, Dump and every, it out. And every people, second counts because you have 60, 60 people on the other side waiting for the food. And then, yeah, and then you start rotating the fries and, mm. you know, because, you know, there's an art to doing French fries. Mm -hmm. And uh, yep. a lot of, you know, a lot of people think that it's, oh, just cut the potatoes and throw nope. it in. No, no, nope. no, not at all. And <laughs> so, then, and, yeah. and It has to be hot, right? Because then mm -hmm. you want it to fry to break, and then you want it to be very uh, uh, puffy in mm -hmm. the middle. But you want that crispiness on the outside, and it, you know, mm -hmm. and that doesn't last very long. No. So that first bite is very important. So being able to then say, okay, I don't want you to dump six bags of French fries in just so we have a bunch of fries together. Mm -hmm. I want you to dump one bag, cook that. Once that bag is done cook the next one. And then when that one's halfway done, cook the next one. And that way we can have a chain going where mm -hmm. everybody's always getting hot fries. And I learned that from, mm -hmm. you know, a, a manager of mine who was a complete and total ass. You know, <laughs> this guy was probably one of the worst human beings I've ever seen, mm -hmm. but he knew how to run a restaurant. Mm -hmm. And you know, so being able to, you know, learning at an early age, you know, 1920, that you can learn things from people, even if you don't like them, mm -hmm. you know, and, A lot of people never get those lessons and a lot of people don't get those lessons till much later in life. So, you know, being able to work in a restaurant and then they send you to management school where you mm -hmm. learn the skills to you know, recognize uh, people and what they're going through and being able to you know mediate some of the stuff and mm -hmm. you know make decisions and watch your numbers and watch your, you know, your, your profits and kind of figure out, you know, where your stuff's going out the door. All of these skills that I learned mm -hmm. just working at a fast food restaurant, it, it, you know, it, It was crazy. And, and I definitely feel like it prepared me to be able to multitask and, you know, work off the seat of my pants if I have to mm -hmm. um, today, you know, yeah. with in technology ever changing, you got to keep up and, you know, you, you're on the phone with customers and they're like, hey, man, where's this feature? Or, I need this feature. And you're like, okay, you know, well, let's talk about this feature. Do you really need this feature or do you need it? like this instead, which is fits more people. Mm -hmm. And they're like, yeah, that makes more sense. Yeah. You know, just having the brain to kind of think on the fly. Mm -hmm. um, definitely uh, for me was sharpened by working in fast food restaurants mm -hmm. at early age. How, how did that happen? Like, I mean, I'm, I'm guessing as many <laughs> teenagers, you started working as, as, at a fast food restaurant to make money, like kind of. So what happened was, um, and it's at, I was, uh, I was coming out. Uh, I went to, I went to junior college. And I took uh, uh, took uh, restaurant management and I was mm -hmm. like, this is the worst class I've ever taken. It was so <laughs> boring and the teacher was terrible and I was getting nothing out of it. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, I was uh, I was like, all right, I need to go find a job. Me and my buddy, we decided we need to go find a job. And we started at one end of this long major highway, uh, not highway, but road. And uh, we basically took the bus and walked and we applied everywhere. Mm -hmm. And man, later in the day, it was all day. And later in that day, we got up to this uh, plaza mm -hmm. and we went in. It was, it was a new restaurant that was opening up and we applied there. And as it turned out, a buddy of ours was working there or he had mm -hmm. already applied there. And he, you know, he put in a good word for us and we got the job. I got the job as a bus boy mm -hmm. and my buddy got a job as a bus boy as well. But On the first day, they were like, hey, you, come here. And they called my buddy into the kitchen. And they were like, hey, we need you to work the grill. And they were just like, we'll wow. show you what to do. But they just threw him on the grill. And I was like, I was so jealous. I was yeah. like, yeah, I want to do that. <laughs> but, uh, you know, so, but eventually, 
I did end up in there as well, mm-hmm. uh, working on the grill. And um, it, it was a lot, you know, you have a line uh, where you have a grill station. We had a pasta station. The name of the restaurant was California Cafe. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had a group uh, served from really nice food, um, Cajun pastas. And uh, we did uh, grilled chickens, marinated uh, with honey mustard and, uh, you know, great, great, great menu. Niswall salmon, Niswall salads and uh uh, we did like, you know, the upscale pizzas, almost like the California pizza kitchen, like the mm-hmm. sun-dried tomato pizzas and the barbecue chicken pizzas with mm-hmm. the smoked Gouda cheese. All, all, you know, great menu. And uh, so, you know, you had to learn how to make all that stuff. So I was like, just I was uh, 18 at the time. And after a while of working there, um, I learned a lot, but I wanted to buy a car. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to get a second job. And so a buddy of mine was working at the fast food restaurant and he was like, well, I can get you a job up here, you know, at night mm-hmm. and you can work here at night and work there during the day. I was like, perfect. Sure. And yeah. so I went, went, you know, started, went there, got hired immediately. And, and they were like, okay, we're going to start you out washing dishes. And, and I was like, okay. And, you mm-hmm. know, um, from there I was like, okay, we're going to teach you how to make chicken. So while I was there, I was basically, learning every single station, you know, mm-hmm. learned how to use the machines, how to wash the dishes, keep the pans clean. Then I learned how to make chicken. And when you make chicken, that's all you do is make chicken. You're mm-hmm. like, Hey, drop chicken. We need more chicken. And then, you know, you yeah. go out and see how much chicken you, they have. And then you can kind of deduce based on the time of day, you know, how much chicken you needed to make. So mm-hmm. I was working there part-time and I was working at the restaurant full-time, but then I started like, you know, cutting my hours at the full-time place <laughs> to, to, and they're like, you, that doesn't make any sense, you know, but, um, but then at the full-time place, the manager was like, Hey, I really need you to step up mm-hmm. and I want to make you a kitchen manager. I'll pay you an additional dollar an hour. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I went from six fifty an hour to seven fifty an hour. Wow. <laughs> uh, yeah. And I was in, but you will be responsible for making sure that we always have prep work done. You will be making you responsible for ordering our mm-hmm. food and uh, keeping the orders. So I had to learn how to, you know, gauge what we had on hand mm-hmm. you know, and then order more. And I was responsible for the trucks. Um, and then I start, I started taking it more seriously and I started, mm-hmm. you know, making sure we started getting all the prep work done and, you know, you would get a case of peppers yeah. and we would have to slice the entire case and put it in the bins. You would get a, uh, a, 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 you know, two, three cases of chicken. And not only, would we, you know, tenderize all the chicken, but then we had to marinate it all because mm-hmm. everything started with our marinade. And then, you know, whether you blackened it, mm-hmm. grilled it, fried it, it started with the marinade. So everything was always marinated. And, you know, from there, the desserts and the salads and even the salads was an art and understanding, mm-hmm. you know, making sure yeah. we have enough olives and goat cheese and, you know, yeah. all of these things. So, yeah. um, and so I was able to take that skill and then apply it to the fast food restaurant mm-hmm. and understanding stock and understanding, you know, so kind of working both at the same time really kind of elevated my game. And eventually the full-time restaurant ended up closing down. It went through like two or three owners and finally mm-hmm. they were done with it and it closed it down. So I just went to the, uh, rest the fast food restaurant full-time mm-hmm. and, you know, started out as a regular employee. I already had the skills of, uh, you know, the, the, the chicken and making, and then I learned, you know, to uh, dishes, chicken. And then from there I went to the grill. So, mm-hmm. you know, you're talking about making burgers and, uh, for hundreds and hundreds of people. Yep. 
Yeah. Um, you know, so I had to learn that. And then from there, and there's a certain art to wrapping the burger. So you don't just get to throw it in foil and, <laughs> and toss it out, right? You know, you got to mm-hmm. wrap them the way the company wants you to wrap them. And, you know, if there was something special about the burger, you had to flip the top and fold it so that they understood that this burger was not the same as the other one. Mm-hmm. So this was a special order for somebody. And then I became crew leader that year. I had like 11 raises that year. I had became a crew wow. leader. I became a supervisor. I became manager one, manager two, and then manager three, and then assistant store manager all mm-hmm. within the same year. Wow. But I had had so much skill from, uh, you know, from all the culinary stuff that I did and then mm-hmm. so much skill from the restaurant and then, you know, just being a hard worker and yeah. being ambitious. And that was the part of that was kind of tough too, right? Because now I'm, I'm 19 and I'm in charge of people that have been working there for five, 10 years that are mm-hmm. 30 and 40 years old. And they're listening yeah. to this 19 year old kid. So <laughs> that was another whole nother thing that I had yeah. to deal with. But, you know, they respected me mm-hmm. in the end. Right. Because I was willing to get my I had come up through the ranks. Right. So yeah. I knew how to do your job. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, you know. There's nothing you could tell me, and there's nothing you know. If you you didn't want to do it, there's no problem. I'll move you out the way. I'll I'll do it. If you needed help doing it, I can jump on the line. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can jump on the grill. I can bang out you know hundred burgers, no problem. I could jump back there and make fried chicken. I can jump back there and make biscuits. It it didn't matter. You know, I I could do everything in there because I had done it all. Mm-hmm. And, and so that because of that, I had earned respect um, uh, from from the workers, and uh, you know, it was noticed there in the district man all the way up to the district manager. Um, you know. It was just like, hey, this guy's sharp and mm-hmm. does his thing. So that that that's how I got into. It. I kind of got into it as a part time thing, and then once the opportunity shifted, I took it full time. Mm-hmm. You know, but with all that becomes all the the headaches and the people's problems and sure. And yeah. I, I I remember what happened was uh, one day I I become very dejected and I was just like, man, this is yeah. I, what really happened was I wanted my own store, mm-hmm. and uh, um. I, I was training new people they were hiring mm-hmm. to get their own stores. I was training general managers. I was an assistant store manager, but they would not give me my own store. Mm-hmm. And I suspect, you know, that there was a bit of uh, racism in mm-hmm. there uh, because the the guy, the, dis- the district manager, the regional manager was a Latino guy, sharp guy, really liked me. But the district manager did not like me very much mm. for whatever reason it was, you know, and, you know, and that's fine, you know, but I'm a well-liked guy. You know, I don't go around with, you know, with a lot of people like, I just like this guy. Mm-hmm. And so it just always had some animosity towards me. Like he would come into my store and he'd be like, Oh, look at this. This is messed up. That's messed up. This is messed up. Oh, Hey, I need you to work this other store for me. Uh, can you close the store? I'm like, uh, I came here at five o'clock in the morning. You know, you want me to go there and work until you know midnight? No. You know, yeah. and I, I just mm-hmm. turn. I would turn them down because mm-hmm. you can't come into my store. You know, tell me nonsense. My, I would always have my store immaculate, and um, you know, and I, I had a lull in in time, so I was literally in the back room cutting the lids off of boxes. Just mm-hmm. that's how that's how you know attention to detail I was. You know, cut the you know cut the lids, and I would do it myself, so everything is organized in the stock room. And you're like, oh, this is messed up. This is uh, get out of here. You know, <laughs> I mean, you're just you're just coming in. Yeah. To, just you to know, be a jerk. Yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, and then I would be training these guys to become managers, showing them how to open a store, how to close mm-hmm. the store, how to run the tills and, you know, count the money, you know, zero out the safe, all of this stuff. Mm-hmm. And then they would go off and get their own store. And they, these guys were clear idiots. 
<laughs> like clear idiots. And I'm like, I come up through the ranks and I can't get my own store, but mm-hmm. I'm training all these different people. And it was mm-hmm. multiple, you know, five, six, seven of them. And I just got tired and I just got dejected from it and was really annoyed. And mm-hmm. one day, one night, and what would happen typically is like at night, you would give your employee the key and say, okay, go oh, unlock the back door, take the trash out, come back mm-hmm. um, and whatever. And one day I did that and the employee left the door unlocked. Oh no! Now, <laughs> of course, it's my responsibility mm-hmm. to check at the end. But I just, you know, you get, you work mm-hmm. there for so long, you trust everybody. Yeah. Now, what happened was my general manager, uh, the alarm went off, of course, when I left. Mm-hmm. And uh, she, so she had to go up to the store. She checked the store and there was nothing stolen and nothing happened. This is the wind blew the door open. Mm-hmm. So she locked it. And then she, the next day, she, you know, when I got there, she was like, hey, I need to talk to you. And I was like, what's up? She's like, you left the door open last night. I had to come up in the middle of the night. And so, listen, I'm, I'm going to write you up mm-hmm. for this, you know, because that's a fireable offense. Mm-hmm. But she's like, but I'm not going to submit it. Because I, I know it can happen. I know it's an accident. She, and nothing really came of it. Mm-hmm. I'm, I got to do this to cover my butt. So if you know it gets found out or something happens, um, I can say, oh, no, I did write it up. I just hadn't submitted it. You know what I mean? And I was mm-hmm. like, hey, listen, do whatever you need to do. Mm-hmm. And I left that day and I was like, wow, I really didn't care what yeah. happened. Mm-hmm. And once that happened, I was like, I got to get out of here mm-hmm. because I don't I'm not a person that can just sit at a job and do it every day and not mm-hmm. enjoy myself. Yeah. And so I needed to take a step backwards. And so I just found a job driving trucks, delivering furniture. <laughs> um, and uh, I you know, put my notice in. I was like, I got to get out of here. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just like I can't work where I don't care. Mm-hmm. And then I ended up getting into IT at that company where I went to. I was driving <laughs> trucks and they needed somebody basic to build computers and ship them out. And the mm-hmm. Internet was just starting to blow up. And um, I applied for the position and got it. And from there, just my career just took a whole different direction and took off. So mm. kind of a weird, you know, <laughs> zigzag story, but that that's what happened. Yeah, I mean, that, that's kind of what, what makes life fun and what makes life interesting, like the, the zigzags that you take and like yeah, what, what you do. But it's still, I mean, it's it's fascinating to, to listen to you about like the, the whole restaurant thing. And I said, like you were, you were 19 or something like yeah, a lot uh, of experience. Like, I mean, who can who can say? I mean, as a nineteen-year-old, like, I, I don't even remember what I did when I was nineteen. Like, I'm definitely not not like running a restaurant. <laughs> Hundreds of thousands of dollars yeah, nah. responsible for, <laughs> and I, it's funny too because all my buddies would be like, I would see my buddies that were like, "Hey, we're going to the club tonight. You want to mm-hmm. go?" I was like, "Nah, I got to open a store in the morning," you yeah. know. <laughs> and then they would be coming home, and I would just be getting off, and I'd be dropping mm-hmm. off chicken, and then I had, you know, like, you know, of course. Mm-hmm. You take the leftovers home if you want to. Mm-hmm. And I, I had another buddy that worked at a gas station. So I would always swing by his gas station and drop off like a box of chicken. I'm like, here mm-hmm. you go, man. You know, and I, I just remember kind of looking at all my friends hanging out and doing stuff. And I just couldn't do it. And I had to work. Mm-hmm. Um, but that, that was the nature of my family. And we just, yeah. just like to work. Um, and, you know, and it's not always like the best thing, uh, especially because I was getting paid nothing. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> but, uh, but you know, it was it was what I gained from it mm-hmm. is invaluable. Yeah. In, in the end, I mean, it also requires quite a bit of skill, to be honest. I mean, it's not like as I said, not every nineteen-year-old could even do it or would even think about doing it, and and you just right. did. Yeah. So I mean, kind of kind of makes me wonder, like, where do you think that skill? Like, I mean, the skill to like <laughs> one to to work like work your way up 
that that ladder to to the manager position but also the skills required to do like to do all the things where do you think you got that from I think probably definitely my mom my dad was a super laid back he like my mm. dad was like the typical jamaican he didn't care you know what i mean and mm. not not to say he was a bag i love my dad you know rest his soul but he, he just was different you know mm -hmm. he was just like ah whatever everything rolled off his back and i have mm -hmm. a bit of that in me too so i appreciate that aspect that i, got I think you him. need that as a manager to be you honest. have to right yeah. and you have to be able to let some stuff roll off your back but at the same time my mom super ambitious she always wanted better for us she mm -hmm. always worked you know seeing her work two jobs just to make sure we could have pants and you know we could have you know we didn't mm -hmm. have to share clothes and you know that that really hit home to me like i was able to recognize what she was doing for us and mm -hmm. i think that's something that's i've always talked about that stood out to me as a motivation it's like you know all right my mom did this so i could do better mm -hmm. so now i got to do better you know what i mean and uh yeah. it, I, I think that's where mostly it comes from but you know the 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 ability to recognize and understand and learn stuff I, you know i don't know i just got probably just lucky because i know it's difficult for some some people to pick up on these things mm -hmm. and uh you know but uh uh, for me, I was, uh, you know, I'm able to learn pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. um, I even, even when I got into IT, you know, my first three years, I self-taught. You know, yeah. I, I bought, I bought books I'm and an, read books. Almost everybody and, was, or probably yeah. still is to this day. Yeah, especially like, back then, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I would say even today. I mean, it's maybe easier to to yeah, get to the information, yeah. but it's still like most, like most things are still self-taught because like everything changes so fast that like there's yeah. no other way. Yeah, that's yeah. a great point. Yeah, it's yeah. definitely true. Um, so I, I want to go back a tiny little bit because we, we jumped uh, like to your, to your restaurant career almost. Um, but like, I'm very interested. I mean, you, you said you started out like cooking with your mom and um, what kind of like dishes do you remember cooking with him? I mean, you said with her, you said like, I mean, Thanksgiving was definitely a big thing. So mostly it was Thanksgiving stuff, you know, um, we, it, uh, that was the time I, I helped her the most mm -hmm. you know, when she just did her regular cooking, not so much, maybe gratering something or mm -hmm. chopping something like that. Um, you know, but for the most time was, I was helping her with Thanksgiving and that's why Thanksgiving today is my favorite holiday. It's the mm -hmm. most important holiday to me. Um, but, uh, you know, we would have the traditional Turkey that she would bake. We, but she made these candy yams that were just out of this world, mm -hmm. um, which I make today, uh, uh, she would make stuffing. Her stuffing was just unreal. Uh, you know, sausage stuffing um, that I would help her make. Um, we always had rice and peas, which is a, and even though we call it rice and peas, it's actually, uh, you know, it, we don't, we don't use peas. It's beans. It's like mm -hmm. a red bean, but uh, you know, we Jamaicans will call it rice and peas. <laughs> and then, you know, we, um, you know, she would have the, uh, uh, the drink, the sorrel, uh, you know, so she would, you know, or the sorrel is like a, a plant that grows and they kind of boil it and then strain it off and turn it into a drink. And that was a special drink we always had around Thanksgiving and Christmas. And then she would go out and get a traditional ham. And I mean, the table was ridiculous. Um, so those are the, those are the type of things I would help her with in, in the kitchen mm -hmm. is, uh, preparing that Thanksgiving. And to even today, you know, I, I, I do Thanksgiving you know, and I would fill two six foot tables of food without Ooh. even thinking twice, without even thinking twice, mm -hmm. no sweat. Yeah. You know, yeah. and, uh, you know, and I would do two, you know, two turkeys. Uh, I would do, I, I, you know, uh, I've since scaled it back because, you know, uh, since I've been, 
losing weight the last three years and I just, you know, I can't eat like I used to. So mm-hmm. I yeah. had to scale it back, but you know, I, I, I'll probably have to send you one of my pictures, but oh, yeah. traditionally two, two turkeys, uh, a ham, I would do like a pork tenderloin. I would do my, my wife would make a macaroni and cheese. Um, I would definitely have some sort of rice, um, candy yams. I would make the, the sausage stuffing. I would make for sure. Um, I would do a hash brown casserole, um, uh, some type of green bean or something like that. Um, uh, yeah, for the most part, that would be at least, and then a bunch of. I'm not, I'm not much into baking, mm-hmm. um, but uh, yeah, by the by the end of it, when you looked at that table, you'd be like, <laughs> "You're cooking for about 60, 75 people." Uh-huh. And now it's just eighteen of us. <laughs> yeah, it's like, eh. <laughs> yeah, no, that's just light work. And, and then you had to have leftovers for the next like or two weeks. days, <laughs> and that's always. And it's so funny because my wife is not into leftovers, mm-hmm. but I am. Like, mm-hmm. I actually enjoy cold food um, oh, i love cold pizza i love too. cold wings <laughs> and i love leftovers and yeah. cold leftovers were always my favorite part yeah of, of thanksgiving <laughs> the meal i enjoyed but mm-hmm. getting up later on and making that plate and just piling it up and mm-hmm. microwave and uh sit in front yeah. of the tv and just you know, watching some kind of cartoon or something and just eating leftovers was yeah. always my favorite part. Yeah, it's, I, I'm the same. Like, I'm actually a bigger fan of the leftovers than the actual meal. I'm like, I'm like skip the meal. Like, give me, get me to them <laughs> afterwards. <laughs> Buy that yesterday and you know, make sure it's ready for me tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah. Cooking with my mom mm-hmm. early on, that was it. And mm-hmm. then from there, doing the stuff in the, in the, in the culinary arts in school. Mm-hmm. Yeah, both of those because that was high school. Um, so not much longer after mm-hmm. um, I was started, I just started cooking with my mom, and yeah. that's where I really started developing like a a, a fond passion for it. Especially because my teacher, she was such a nice lady. She died of cancer mm-hmm. years ago, but she was such a nice lady. She had a general interest in me and 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 me being successful. And mm-hmm. you know, I I remember when uh, we she we would go to the internship and we would skip it, and she found out we skipped it. <laughs> and the look on her face, she was so heartbroken. Oh, that's it, so it worse. devastated <laughs> me, right? Because I, yeah. I didn't, you know, I was just skipping just to have fun. Mm-hmm. And I didn't realize, you know, that how much it hurt her. Mm-hmm. And so I never skipped again, right? Yeah. I was just like, okay, I can't do this. But, yeah. and then but, I just, you know, really started taking it a bit more seriously too mm-hmm. at the point. But I remember, you know, her showing us how to make a buttercream and um, make mm-hmm. some cakes and um, then uh, learning how to use the giant mixers and then mm-hmm. we would have the fryer station and the grill station and you know for lunch we would do chicken tenders and so the the, the other school is doing chicken, you know, chicken nuggets <laughs> and we were doing like the full-on breaded chicken tenders mm-hmm. and you know burgers and you know all of this stuff and the, the line would be you mm-hmm. know out down the school hallway yeah you know and for people coming in and you know and i started learning there to you know, she started relying on me to manage and making sure, mm-hmm. you know, we had everything we need and kind of help, kind of help uh, doing stuff like that, yeah. too. So that, you know, that was really I kind of realized I had a knack for it. Right. Mm-hmm. Would, would you and say was, that, that that experience like, I mean, I mean, com- sure, coming from your family and having like the family Thanksgiving dinner and whatever. But that school experience that you have that that kind of like sparked joy in you and like you something uh, like sparked something you that you wanted to be in that business definitely definitely and i think that's where uh a lot of it came from because in fact um i actually 
had earned a scholarship to the Culinary Institute of America. Wow. Mm -hmm. But it was a partial scholarship. Mm -hmm. And my family could not afford to send me there at all. You know, and that was a that was like the the, for folks that don't know, that's like one of the top at the time was one of the top culinary schools in the area. And I I did earn a partial scholarship to it. Yeah, I think it's still to this day, like, I mean, Probably I haven't kept up with this, so yeah. I would assume that they're probably still ranked up there yeah. uh, for for uh, cooking. And uh, but I just I could not afford to do that school. There's just no way. Um, and so I just said, you know, screw it, holla, you know, <laughs> go to college and figure something out. And then I actually quit college because I was like, man, I can work my way up to the top faster mm-hmm. than uh, than I can, you know, do four years of college and try to get into something. So I, I kind of always wished that I had stayed in and went back, mm-hmm. but I was. I was kind of right. You know, I, I was able to work my way up and I just got held back by circumstance other mm-hmm. rather than, uh, you know, anything else. But I did work my way up yeah. in, in, in the field in, in a short time, to be honest. Yeah. yeah no, I mean, as I said, I, I am like I, to this day, like whenever you hear about any culinary school, it is usually the, the, the CIA. OK. Yep. Yeah. All right, well, fair enough then. Yeah. yeah. Well. I can say I did earn a scholarship there. Mm-hmm. No, that, I mean that is that is in itself hard enough because like that that is such a prestigious school that like everybody wants one and everybody wants yep. to go there and almost yeah it would have been awesome yeah. it would have definitely been a different mm-hmm. trajectory for my life but I I can't complain where I'm at nah. today so <laughs> I, w- I would yeah I would no I mean uh, something people don't know about me like I. I could have gone that route and I purposefully like decided I'm uh, not to like, I was just, I, I was enjoying food too much and cooking too much. And I was like, mm. I saw like, I have friends in the industry, uh, like all ages and I just saw what it did to them. And I'm like, I, I don't want to lose that fun and that, yeah. that joy and of <laughs> like eating food and preparing food. I don't want to lose that. And I would rather not work in an industry that destroys that. Right. And that's a huge thing, right? Is because, you do stuff to enjoy it. Mm-hmm. And then once it becomes a job, yeah. it, it's, it, you run that 50, 50 risk that you no longer enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You know? And uh, so that's always the case, especially in like where you're being creative. Like I've started working on building furniture mm-hmm. and uh, you know, other woodworking stuff. And I've built a, quite a few things for my daughter. Mm-hmm. And then somebody was like, Hey, can you build me one on, on Facebook? after I posted a picture and I was like, I don't know. You know what I mean? It's just like, yeah, I don't want to be obligated. It's not fun if it's if I'm obligated to do it. So I was like, give me time to get better. And Mm -hmm. let me see, because I'm still figuring stuff out. But same thing with, but now on the other hand, you know, I was saying I'm smoking four salmons today and I I actually reached out to my nieces. I was like, hey, I'm firing up the smoker. I'm going to smoke a couple of salmons. You're, you know, it's your turn to get some you know, do you want me to smoke you some? And you know, the reaction was, <laughs> you know, yeah, just does fills my heart. But mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, ha- I was like, okay, all right, you got it, I got you, no problem. Mm-hmm. You oh, know? Okay. And that that is enjoyable to me. <laughs> and you know, my cousin, he often is like, hey, can I come pick up a couple of salmons? And I'm like, sure, come on down. You know, let me know when you want to come, and I'll, I'll hook it up for you. And um, I've done uh, chickens for people. I've done ribs for people stuff like that so Mm -hmm. it's just uh that that i enjoy you know i really enjoy smoking yeah and i I would say that that is absolutely um like absolutely fine absolutely worth it i mean you can like it's not impossible that you can't like like become a 
chef or a restaurateur or something and 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 not enjoy it and it or enjoy right. it and and like lifelong have fun yeah doing it. And that is great if if you do but there, as you said there is i mean one you're not never going to make much money right. uh, that's simply i mean <laughs> that's just the reality right that's reality yeah, like i mean yeah. unless you're unless you're like one of the like handful top people in the world you're probably and you got to have that personality right mm-hmm. because you can get you can be the top chef and nobody still knows who you are yeah. right but until personality you then, luck all of it like right I mean, all of that stuff yeah. has to come together just like becoming a football player or mm-hmm. anything else you yeah know, exactly you, yeah. only few like if you even think about all the celebrity chefs and cooks was it 10 mm-hmm. <laughs> you know when yeah, you think about like all of them you know 10 maybe 12 out mm-hmm. of all the chefs and restaurants that are in the world yeah, yeah exactly yeah, it's, it's, it's it is is a rare it thing. has to be a passion that you enjoy mm-hmm. um if you're gonna if you're gonna do it yeah as i said and there are so many other things you could be doing and i mean i'm not saying like if you're not into that world and into that business and to really enjoy it like go do it it is as you said it is absolutely absolutely great and it's like it teaches you so many things but like oh. it's not for everybody and like yeah Sometimes I said for me, it was like, I looked at it and I was like, I mean, no, like, I, I don't want to lose that. I don't like, I mean, I, I have nothing against working hard and I'm like, I've probably worked. Yeah. And it's, all, it's not, it's not even about hard. working hard. Right. Yeah, it's just so. like, it's, you know, it's, you, you have to, you can work hard and enjoy at the end of the day, feel satisfied. Mm-hmm. Right. And if you're working hard and you're just like miserable and you're just like, oh, yeah. then you're working hard for nothing. Yeah. Right. But if you're working hard and you love it and you at the end of the day it's like this sucks i'm tired but man mm-hmm. what a great day and you're, you're like pointing out all the cool things you did mm-hmm. and stuff like that then, then you know you're in the right spot yeah you know yeah. And, i mean and unfortunately not everybody gets to that no. opportunity <laughs> to make that decision and mm-hmm. it sucks but uh you know and i feel 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 for anybody that's in a job that they do because they mm-hmm. have to not because they want to but, yeah um, for sure but uh, yeah. i said i i mean i i said i have friends in, in the industry and like they might cook like I don't know this the same steak like fifty times a day, right? At the end of the day, they look at that and they're like, "But this one time, I got it all <laughs> exactly perfect," and that's like all they need. Like I the other like forty nine didn't really happen for them. They're they like were okay. they were they yeah. were good. Like they were not bad. They were like, but they're like <laughs> they just look There's at it and say, like, "Okay, I improved like or I improved this thing a little bit, and now it's better." Right. Or it's faster, right. or it's like whatever, or like oh, I had a new idea and I tried that and it was perfect, like stuff like that. That's that's, right. that's what motivates them. Yeah, I could not do that. Like, right, fif- kill me. Like fifty steaks a day. I'm like no, <laughs> no. And, and every day, like it's and like six, six, seven days a week. Sometimes like no, <laughs> not yeah, I like a challenge and I like learning new mm-hmm. things. Yeah, and I think that's why the job that I'm in is so perfect yeah. because it's complete. It's like the first job that I've never mastered to some extent. Mm-hmm. I want to say I'm expert in everything yeah. I've done, <laughs> but when I was working in a restaurant, you know, and I was a manager, like I had some of the best numbers in the region. Mm-hmm. Right. And so why? Because I knew how to work hard. I knew how to manipulate the numbers, right? I could tell people to go on break and I could run three stations at the same time. Mm-hmm. I had the prices memorized so I could call you through the drive through. You'd be like, I wanted to number one. Um, and, a strawberry shortcake and i like i know a number one with tax is a uh, 314 and the strawberry shortcake is 99 cents plus tax of 104 at the time we had five percent sales tax mm-hmm. i was like okay you told us 318 drive through i would have all that memorized in my head so i could just take three or four orders send them through in the drive through ring them up one mm-hmm. by one when i got there at the same time i'm walking to work in the front you know t- uh carrying people in there and then sometimes i would be cooking too why i would put myself through that because then my labor hours would drop because I, all my team would mm-hmm. be on break. 
right? But that was judged by labor hours. So mm-hmm. that's what I had to do. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. and you know, they didn't care, you know, to know how we were achieving 14% labor hours and 13 <laughs> and 11% labor hours. They just mm-hmm. were like, oh yeah, this store is really well won. Yeah, yeah one, exactly. killing myself here. <laughs> you know what I mean? But, you know, just yeah. from that, and when I became a systems engineer, you know, I was going out on some of the top deals in the company, you know, going mm-hmm. out to large companies and large government agencies and winning these deals over the competitors. Why? Because I could talk, I could understand. Mm-hmm. I was dynamic enough to listen to what they actually needed and be able to present the product in a way that solved their problem and not just, you know, giving them nonsense. I'm like, no, if you do it like this, we can solve your problem. Mm-hmm. Right. And once you solve somebody's problem, you know, that's what, that's why we build software, right? We solve problems. And so I became very good. But once I became a product manager, all that went out the window because the world is changing and the t- technology is changing yeah. and you got to continually update your product to continue to solve problems because the problems change when you're mm-hmm. on that side of it. Yeah, if you, in that perspective. If you stand still, you've basically already lost. Right, right. Yeah. And yeah. so I always, uh, I used to get mad when uh, another competitor would copy a feature. And I had a buddy <laughs> of mine that had been in the been in the industry longer than me, and he was like, "Listen, if they're copying you, they're behind you." Mm-hmm. And I yep. was like, "Oh, <laughs> yeah, <it's> so true." <laughs> <laughs> I was like, wow, okay. Uh-huh. And I've never forgotten that lesson. Like, mm-hmm. they're copying you, they're behind you. So you're, they just keep moving forward because you mm-hmm. got to. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow, okay. Nev- never had that perspective, but, mm-hmm. you know, it, 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 was, it was a pretty cool to hear and, and pretty yeah. cool mantra to live by. Yeah, definitely. Um, so after, like, after leaving the, the restaurant business behind and then, like, starting, as you said, as a truck, truck, a truck driver and then later like IT side. Um, I mean, you, you still like continue like being interested in food because I mean, I know that like we just talked about it, like you're, you're still like d- doing barbecue and smoking things or whatever, like you're still yeah. into it. So how did that like continue? Like were you burned out for a couple of years and did do much or did that still like interest you? Yeah. So after I started, uh, I started uh, in the uh, truck driving and then from there went, uh, into the help desk mm-hmm. uh, of a small of the, of the same company, um, you know, the culture changed for me and it was like, okay, this is my first time at a desk mm-hmm. uh, ever. And so it's like, okay, everybody goes to lunch. I just say, Hey, where are you going for lunch today? Where do you? And so that was, so it was like a couple of years of that whole culture change for me mm-hmm. um, because you're driving a truck, you know, I'm driving a, you know, a 26 foot straight truck and I'm pulling up into some fast food restaurant somewhere and getting out and shorts and a, uh, you know, sweatshirt or something and, you know, buying fast food and eating in there or eating, or eating on the road or something like that, you know, mm-hmm. but now it's different. Now you're, you're having these conversations about the football game or something like that, that water cooler talk that you always see on TV. Yeah, yeah. You always, <laughs> and now I'm doing that. Right. And so it's like, so, so it was a couple of years of, uh, of exploring different local restaurants, you know, mm-hmm. like the little, uh, Asian market that sold this, awesome egg salad i didn't even know i liked egg salad and mm-hmm. it was like hey you got to try this and I'm like oh you know this is awesome and then and then it got to the peruvian restaurant oh my god mm-hmm. pollo a la brasa <laughs> and uh yuca and uh, arroz and you know and that whole uh that took over my life eating uh you know peruvian chicken you know two three times a week that was you know Frijoles y arroz, the frijoles negros, and you know, all of that. It was just fantastic and uh, really enjoyable. 
uh, for me for quite some time. And then you would occasionally have like, you know, let's go get some Chinese food. So yeah, there was quite some time where I wasn't really cooking as much Mm -hmm. and uh, was just more going out and, you know, learning all these new uh, meals and these new palates and all this and all this stuff. And then you learn like, never try out a new restaurant on your lunch break. (laughs) <laughs> you had to learn that lesson too. Yeah. Like, it's, I, I remember at the time, all these people were coming in. It's like, oh, fo, 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 fo. Oh, mm-hmm. it's the greatest thing ever. It's fo. You know, we got to go get fo. You got to go get fo. I was like, nah, mm-hmm. like, you know, I'm good with my Peruvian. I'm good with my, you know, my little Asian market. I can go get me a steak and cheese. I can go get, you know, a chicken sandwich. I, everything they have, I like. You know, like, no, no, you got to go get go with us to get foe. And, you know, then <laughs> all it was is these people, the, the new hot thing. Mm-hmm. And I remember finally me and my buddy, uh, we actually lived together. We finally gave in. We're like, fine, we'll go with you. And when I realized that I had a bunch of vegetables with some damn beef broth and some and some meat, mm-hmm. I was livid that that was my <laughs> lunch. He's like, you, you have a finite hour. <laughs> enjoyment to kind of break up your day and mm-hmm. you get something that you're not enjoying for yeah. lunch mm-hmm. in, in that <laughs> atmosphere oh it just ruins the whole day and maybe even the week mm-hmm. so i had to learn that lesson never try a new restaurant at, at during your lunch break but uh yeah and you know not to say that the it was terrible mm-hmm. but it's, it's just it wasn't enjoyable to me like it mm-hmm. really was just soup yeah, you know, basically. and 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 veggies, and mm-hmm. and then I had to make it myself. Like, what am I doing? I'm I, you give me all the ingredients, and like, if I want that, I can go, you know, mm-hmm. you know, to a cheese restaurant or something like that. But uh, yeah, so that that was so yeah, so it was quite some time. Mm-hmm. And then once uh, Marriott came in and bought the company that I worked for, and then um, that company then um, and then I ended up transferring from the IT department at the small company to the IT department at Marriott. Mm-hmm. And that kind of then broadened uh, my world because now we're doing potlucks and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. And so now you got to like, okay, I know how to cook. I got to get back into this and start bringing stuff that I like. Mm-hmm. Uh, first off, I introduced that, that building to the Peruvian restaurant. Mm-hmm. And you know, before we walk in with like a, bag for me then it grew to a bag for like me and the people in my area mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden i'm watching other people like stopping by my desk like we went to your peruvian restaurant today <laughs> you know and all you know and it's funny like the entire fifth floor was mm-hmm. eating at this restaurant by the time mm-hmm. it was all said and that's how fantastic the food was mm-hmm. but anyway um but we started having potlucks and stuff like that mm-hmm. and that's kind of really what kind of got me back into cooking and uh you know uh and on top of that um i had gained so much weight mm-hmm. from uh coming off the trucks and being physical every day you know i was carrying 300 sure. pound desk mm-hmm. up five flights of stairs and you know you're sitting on your butt and just eating and yapping mm-hmm. all day and eating snacking all day yeah i gained a ton of weight yeah and i mean and, eat, uh, eating out also not always the healthiest out. thing <laughs> right right so um so i tried to start getting healthy mm-hmm. um and start losing weight and so from there, you know, I was like, okay, I got to cook more, you know, and mm-hmm. that's kind of got me back into, mm-hmm. you know, cursory, uh, getting back into it. Yeah. And, um, uh, from there, the potlucks really started ramping up like, cause I'm, you know, I'm a competitive guy. So <laughs> you, you, you name a potluck, I'm coming with the, uh-huh. my plates, my, whatever dish I bring is going to be empty mm-hmm. over everybody else's mm-hmm. and yeah, never failed. That, but that's, yeah, that's what got yeah. me back. I mean, that, that's also something like, I mean, 
coming from your family, like the you said, the Thanksgiving dinners and like the social aspects yep. and so on. That's what a potluck is. Honestly, that is probably one of the things I still miss. Like, I mean, from from the US, it is not a not as big a thing in Europe in general. Um, it does exist here and there, but it's not as big of a thing. But it like for me, like my my like my office, the people I work with, those are my family to some extent. Yeah. I mean, sure, yeah, it's like your work it. family, but it's still your family. Yeah. And a potluck helps a lot with that. I mean, actually, like I think within the first month, I want to say, of starting here in Austria, <laughs> I cooked with my team. Like I just said, nice. okay, like one lunch break, we have a little kitchen in the, in the office, we're going to cook something, and we all awesome. did it together, and that was awesome. And I was like, awesome, want to do that again? I mean, right now with Corona, yeah. a little bit difficult, all of it. Yeah, right. Um, but like that's that's what I think the the really cool thing about the potluck is. Like you can like everybody can bring something, get together, do it. Like, and you learn something, yeah. you, you taste something that you've never tasted yeah. before. And uh, yeah, and uh, I, I do kind of, you know, I've been working from home for like 15 years now. So mm -hmm. I do miss the potluck stuff. Um, so and that really, you know, transitioned me into cooking a lot mm -hmm. more as well, too. Because once I had switched jobs from Marriott and started working from home mm -hmm. in, in, in this new field, then I really had to start cooking and mm -hmm. really started getting back into it. And I was moved into an apartment. And then from there it was just like, all right, now, now we're, now we're rolling again and, you know, making all these different things and remembering mm -hmm. all these different flavors that work together and, you know, calling my mom up. It's like, Hey, you know, how do you make this? How? And it's funny because, you know, I have no problem calling my mom and, mm -hmm. you know, getting a recipe from her, but I'm terrible at sharing recipes. I am very <laughs> bad at it. I, I actually hate it. Um, <laughs> okay. Why is that? It's, you know, I, I, I break it down like this. Um, I spend a lot of time and a lot of effort learning how to perfect something. Mm -hmm. And when somebody says, hey, what's the recipe for that? I'm like, you're getting a shortcut to what took me three years <laughs> of my life to get here. And mm -hmm. it annoys me to some extent when when that happens. And I know they don't mean it. So I'm not saying no. the person is a bad person. Mm -hmm. it's, it's traditional, right? Oh, what's the recipe for that? And it's not like I haven't asked other people for recipes, but mm -hmm. I'm not a recipe cooker, right? So all I need to know is the basics. Mm -hmm. I'm going to completely flip it and do something else with yeah. it all the time. Like I yeah. never have made anything directly from the recipe, but I'm not a fan of sharing recipes. Uh, I'm, I'm really bad at it. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know... What's the question is, would you even be able to if someone asked you? Like, I mean, I th that's something I've experienced, like even myself. It is, it is like, especially if you cook, like, it looks like you and me were cooking very similar. Recipes may be like a suggestion how something general right. direction could be done, but it's not what you actually cook. And it is so, very difficult to, to actually nail it down to like, okay, this is how much of X you need because it's all like a feeling and it depends on the, on the, like actually on the right. produce you have that day. Like it might be a little bit more, a little bit, I don't know. So yeah. it's hard to so actually nail a, down in that recipe. I have a buddy that gives me grief all the time. Like in matter of fact, it was literally just a week ago. He was, mm -hmm. he brought up this story from maybe 20 years ago. I, they, you know, we had to get together and mm -hmm. uh, that's big for me and my friends. We always, we have huge get togethers, you know, grilling and stuff like that. And mm -hmm. I brought sliders this particular time and I seasoned them and I cooked them there at, at the house and mm -hmm. they just got annihilated. And my buddy was like, Hey, what, what did you do to the burgers? And I, you know, like you said, it's a feeling a little mm -hmm. bit of this, a little bit of that, you know, this, and I gave him 
the basics of what I did because mm-hmm. I can't, I couldn't necessarily, but I knew if I give you the basics, you're going to get a great burger out of that. Mm-hmm. Right. But his wife was like, this don't taste like Chris's burger. <laughs> and I have been receiving grief. It was like, yeah, you gave me partner. And I remember somebody else asked me for a recipe and I was like, here's the basics. He's like, that's what you did to me. He, he, he just, <laughs> his mind went right. He was at my house when I was doing it. And he was like, his mind went right back. That's what you did to me. You gave me the basics. You didn't give me the whole thing. You gave me something back. And he gave me so much grief. And I was like, listen, it's not on purpose. First off, yes, I do hate sharing recipes, but there are certain people in my life that I will give anything to. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they whatever they want, they get, you know, dude, we're just that close. Right. Mm-hmm. We're, you know, family. And uh, so, yeah. So so I so in that situation, I'll give you the basics. Like, here's the basic decor of what I do. You'll get a great dish out of that mm-hmm. if I end up sharing something. And then from there. You know, it's up to you to continue to flip it and yeah. do whatever. You fine, to, fine to tune it to your own. taste. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, that's what you do. Yeah. <laughs> that's exactly yeah. right. That's, so, that's yeah. really that's really funny. I mean, that that comes up a lot also with like grandmas and so on. Like if if like I don't know, you call your grandma, hey, can you like I don't know a dish you have ate like you've had as a kid, you remember, and you ask your grandma for the recipe, and then she gives you something. <laughs> right. And hundred percent, my mom is not a recipe cooker. She's <laughs> a she's a this that feel taste. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, do this, do that. Yeah, mm-hmm. she's the same way. I'm the same way. Yeah, and uh, yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah, absolutely. So that's so that's very interesting. Um, so you like you started getting into cooking. Um, eventually you got into barbecue, right? I mean, that's what I understand. Yes. Which is one of your biggest passions right now. Can I say that? Absolutely, hundred percent, hundred percent. Um, I've always liked barbecue. Uh, food. Uh, and I had, you know, and through this journey, you kind of learn there's a distinct difference, right? Because everybody says, I'm going to a barbecue. No, you're going to a cookout. You're going to a grilling <laughs> session. You're not going to a barbecue. And for folks that don't understand what I'm saying is barbecue is the art of cooking food over a long period of time under a low temperature. Mm-hmm. Grilling is high heat, direct usually direct and it's a short period of time right and most of the times when you're going to somebody's house and they're you know they're grilling they're not barbecuing Mm -hmm. they're not spending 14 hours to cook something that you're about to eat you know and so i you know you had to learn that you kind of learned that distinction and then you start going from there and uh you know i've always liked ribs and i've always liked you know barbecue chicken and all that stuff and you know eventually I had to, and even when I worked at the restaurant, we made ribs and it was always interesting because they didn't have a smoke or anything. We would just mm-hmm. do it in the oven and, uh, you know, with liquid smoke and, uh, you know, and you would put water in the pan. Mm-hmm. We never boiled the ribs, but you would put water in the pan and then, and then uh, do it like that. And then you would finish it on the grill. So a reverse sear. Um, and so I've always, always liked barbecue food. And, uh, I remember, um, when uh i was like man i really want to try to make some ribs on a actual smoker and i went Mm -hmm. out and started looking for smokers and um i found like this little metal weber smoker it was like the kind of a barrel um not a barrel style uh bucket kind of drum style Mm -hmm. not a drum maybe they call it a barrel i can't remember at this point but it's more vertical right Mm -hmm. it looks like a tall bucket and it had the pan at the bottom where the wood chunks would go. You actually used a propane tank. So the propane tank would sit under the pan and directly flame the, the, the pan, mm-hmm. which would then heat up the wood 
Um, but mo- the heat source was the actual propane mm-hmm. and then it would burn the wood and create smoke. And then you had to chamber up top for whatever you were cooking. And I made some good barbecue from there. And then uh, from there, um, everything that's makes me who I am kicked in. Mm-hmm. Like I start pulling ribs off of there and I'm like, this is tasty. Part pulling chicken off of there. I'm enjoying this. Mm-hmm. How can I make it better? How can <laughs> I get better at this? Mm-hmm. And man, the explosion, the, 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 the money spent, the, and, well, fortunately for me, um, this was right around the same time that I was working. I had just transitioned from Marriott to the software companies. I was making way more money, mm-hmm. but I had helped a buddy or well, my sales rep closed a million dollar deal nice. and he took a ton of money from this commission and he was a great, generous guy. And he was like, you help me close this deal. I'm going to buy you rims for your truck. Mm-hmm. And I was like, cool. You know what I mean? At the time, I was like, man, I want <laughs> rims for my truck. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, you're talking a couple thousand dollars. Um, but right at the same time, I was like, I was getting into smoking. We closed the deal. He was like, hey, man, um, go find some rims. And I was like, you know what? Forget the rims. I heard about this new smoker called the Green Egg. And uh, my buddy had told me about it. And it's a $1,500 smoker. Mm-hmm. But he was like, just buy me that and we'll call it even. And he was like, here's my credit card number. Go get it. <laughs> and wow. I went to the barbecue restaurant at the time that was in the area. And the green egg was just taking off. And I, I bought one. Mm-hmm. And for folks that don't know, the green egg is a smoker that is uh, porcelain based. So it's not metal. It's a uh, porcelain. And the great thing about it is that it retains heat and moisture because of the material that it's made out of. So it's really heavy. They have three different sizes. They have a they have, a, they have four different sizes: small, large. I think they have a small, medium, large, and extra large. The extra large is the most expensive. But uh, people use them in competition. They make great barbecue. They're and to me, they're they're a great second step for people trying to get into natural uh, wood smoking mm-hmm. and um i got one and my barbecue started elevating immediately because mm-hmm. it became easier to maintain temperature which is one of the biggest things yeah um when you're when you're smoking food is maintaining that temperature and on a on that thin little weber smoker that i had very difficult because it's a it's thin so yep. wind blow temperature yeah. changes mm-hmm. um propane you know because it's hitting that wood so hard you're running through your wood so so quick and uh there's not a lot of surface area so you know all of these things factors come into play and they're, they're great to start on but they're not you know if you're really trying to step your game up they're, they're just honestly useless after when you after stepping your game up but a green egg on the other hand you can set that thing you you can you know close the vent at the top and open the vent down at the bottom to create that airflow. And once you get that perfect airflow set, that thing is going to maintain whatever temperature you want mm-hmm. for the entire smoke smoke process. Right. Now it has its it has its challenges and it has its downsides. But you know, one being like it's a yeah, it, it's to add more wood, you have to take all the food out, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? To yeah. put the wood yeah. in and put the, <laughs> put it back in, you know, because it you know that's how it's set up. Mm-hmm. Um, but beyond that. I could easily get about five, six racks of ribs on there. I could get a, a pork big. shoulder on there, two pork shoulders, you mm-hmm. know, four chicken, yeah, plenty of food on there. 
And yeah, it really changed my game from smoking. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, the other challenge with the green egg had was the gasket that was between the lid and the bottom. Um, That one of the things they tout with the green egg is it can go all the way up to like 800 degrees or maintain as low as, you know, 100 degrees. Mm -hmm. But the problem is when it got too hot, it would burn the gasket. And once that gasket was gone, it allowed air to seep in mm-hmm. because that gasket was just a felt strip mm-hmm. that went around the, the top and bottom. Mm-hmm. And once that air seeped in, it became extremely difficult to maintain your temperature because mm-hmm. obviously more sure, air, yeah. more mm-hmm. heat, and it became a challenge. So that's the one downside. And I eventually came out with a high heat gasket, which was stood up better, but I've changed that gasket twice. And that's something that always annoyed me mm-hmm. about green egg, but that's, you know, but you know, it, it was just really the, the guy that I am, which is trying to get better and better and better at anything that I'm mm. you know, starting to get into is what really got me into barbecue. And I started making my own rubs and making my own barbecue sauces, which I had experience with already yeah. um, working in the restaurants for sure. so long. Yeah. Um, and I know I promised uh, Ewan <laughs> yeah. uh, that I would uh, talk about barbecue rubs. And unfortunately, the answer is not going to be Probably not going to be what he wants to hear, (laughs) but nonetheless, I'm going to explain to you how I approach barbecue rubs. So Mm -hmm. I used to sit there and I used to grab like, you know, all the paprika and the chili peppers and all this stuff and make all these different rubs. And I would make some good rubs and I could make a rub today if I wanted to, you know, a basic barbecue rub. You grab some chili powder, you grab some paprika, you grab some salt, pepper, onion powder, and, you know, maybe some, uh, 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 shoot, uh, celery salt. Mm-hmm. And you will have a pretty decent rub right there for any type of barbecue you're making. And one of the things I did to improve my skill and to learn more about barbecue was I watched the TV show, Barbecue Pit Masters. Mm-hmm. And because even though they're not revealing all the secrets, but you could pick up the basics just by watching the show. And a lot of times they would give you some of the reasons why they did certain things, why they wrapped a uh, a brisket, why they didn't wrap a brisket, why they wrapped a rib, why they didn't wrap a rib, you know, why they cooked it this long. All these things that you would pick up. And I encourage anybody that wants to get into barbecue, watch Barbecue Pit Masters. And just, I've watched, I've gone back and rewatched it. And I've been barbecuing for you know, well over 10 years now. And I go back and rewatch episodes to pick up little, little mm-hmm. tips and tricks. But one of the things that probably stood out to me the most, I was watching an episode and one of the, what they, who they call the, the grandfather of barbecue, Johnny Trigg. And uh, this guy's won ton of barbecue competitions, and uh, they all, res- all the other competitors respected him. And he started talking about his rub, and he said, "Listen, I spent years and years and years trying to develop a rub." And he was like, "I realized that there's people that have spent even longer than that developing rubs." And he said, "I decided that why am I going to waste the effort to try to develop my own rub?" When there's people out there that are making fantastic rubs that taste really good and I mm-hmm. like them. So he said, I stopped doing that. I just go find a rub that I like mm-hmm. and I use that. And when that hit me like a Mack truck, I was like, I was literally doing the same thing. For what? I'd rather concentrate on honing my skill and you know being able to pick up a, a, a rib uh, you know, a rack of ribs and be just from the way it's bending, tell whether it's done or not to the, to the level that I like it to be mm-hmm. done, you know, be able to grab a brisket and look at him like, you know what, 
normally I would wrap it at this time, but it doesn't look the way I want it to look. So I'm going to let it go a little bit longer. All of these little thing nuances that you pick up during when you're barbecuing, I'd rather focus on that. Mm-hmm. Forget making rubs. Yeah. So I mean, anybody yeah. that's spending time looking for, God bless you. If you want to make a rub, make a rub. But I'm telling you, there are some fantastic rubs out there. You just got to keep trying them mm-hmm. and find one you like and work with it. The other tip I'll give is that use more than one rub. Find rubs that complement each other, mm-hmm. right? You know, you may have one that's very savory, you know, and what I mean by that is when it hits your tongue, your mouth starts to water. You know what I mean? But at the same time, you may find a rub that's a bit on the sweeter side. That's, you know, more pleasurable mm-hmm. um, when you get it too. Putting those together, great combination. Mm-hmm. So find different rubs that give you different feelings. Come try combining them and then you know, go from there. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what I do now. I don't make my own rubs anymore. Yeah. I, I mean, stop doing that. It doesn't mean that that like you should just like go with any crappy wrap that you can wrap that you can find and, and like that's it. I mean no, <laughs> as you said, no, by no like means. find find one that you really like. I mean if you absolutely cannot find one um and you want to make your own, like sure you can. Like sure. it's not nobody's Or, gonna stop you. <laughs> Find one and add stuff to it. Yeah, yeah you know exactly. what I mean. You can do that too, and yeah. So I, uh, that's what I do. So mm-hmm. there you go, Yuan. That's my <laughs> number one secret when it comes to rubs. I don't make my own rub. I buy rubs. <laughs> and now he's listened to the entire episode to get to this point, and then realized that he didn't get it. <laughs> oh, well, that's I perfect. May say, I may save him some time in the future. So <laughs> take her for what it is. Yeah, so, yeah. No, that, that's a great. That's that's absolutely great advice. Like, just find something that you really like. And I mean, and said, you it. can always you can always improve on it. You can always change it. Like if if it at some point you're like, eh, this is not it. You can always change it. You can always you can do always your own. get another one. Yeah, exactly. But um, the thing, the thing is, when I started using those rubs, then I was able to focus on what I was actually doing. So mm-hmm. start and and then, um, and then probably about uh, I used my green egg for probably the better part of six years, and then I went out and bought this ridiculous smoker. It was called a Mac Two Star General, and this thing is a three thousand dollar smoker. Wow. Um, and, uh, but I got a great deal on it. Somebody bought it and they bought it and it could be, and this is another piece of advice I'm going to give people pretty much every single smoker you see out there will say can be used as a grill. Listen, <laughs> do not use your smoker as a grill. Just use it as a smoker. Go buy a grill. Mm-hmm. Go cheap. <laughs> There's no reason that you want to have all these grease drippings and all this extra stuff in your smoker when you can just do that on a grill. Mm-hmm. Leave your smoker and use it as a smoker. All of these pellet smokers, which was the Mac Two Star General, uh, are they always say they can dub as a as a smoker as a grill. And I'm telling you, don't do it. It's it's just a waste of time. And this guy used his he bought a Mac Two Star General full price and burned it up and was like and returned it. And mm-hmm. so the guy at the barbecue, my local barbecue store, supply store here uh, where I live was like, man, I'll, I'll sell it to you really cheap. And he did, you know, nice. and I took it home and I scrubbed it for two days and mm-hmm. made it look brand practically brand new. And then I ordered all the inside parts to it. I reordered mm-hmm. all the grill, the grates, the 
all the inside parts are reordered. Mm-hmm. And I had a brand new grill for nice. you know a fraction of the cost. I think I paid about five hundred dollars for it. Wow. Okay. And then two hundred dollars for all the inside mm-hmm. parts. Yeah. And I used the pellet smoker for about uh two years. And I enjoyed it because the pellet smoker, what and what the pellet smoker does is they basically instead of having these big wood chunks that they use, the pellet smoker actually um has these little pellets that mm-hmm. they you know, they cut out of the wood and they use that instead. And um, now the thing is for people that are interested in using pellet smokers, pellet smokers are fine. They're not for me. And mm-hmm. I ended up getting rid of it. And the reason why they're not for me, just the number one thing is they do not put as much smoke flavor onto your meat as a traditional smoker. Mm-hmm. They just don't. And I don't care. I tried everything to make it happen. Like, you know, I would get an extra tube and I would add more pellets in the tube and I would burn that tube and put it inside the smoker Mm -hmm. i would add wood chunks in there in the smoker no you don't get it you get some flavor it's a hint and some people like that that's Mm -hmm. why i don't automatically dismiss them some people don't like and i'm not talking about a harsh smoke where it's like Mm -hmm. you know sour i'm talking about they just i like smoke flavor mm -hmm. i like it on my fingers when i'm done you know some people don't they just like a hint of it and pellet smokers are perfect for those people Mm-hmm. It's like and, coffee, um, right? It, it's like yeah. I mean, some people like like the the really strong, flavorful coffee. Right. Others like me like more the like the subtle, like more fruity. Area. Exactly right. Perfectly so, fine. Yeah. Yep, and it doesn't matter. Just understand what you're getting into. Now, the great thing about a pellet smoker is they usually come with a temperature gauge. Once you set that temperature, you're done. Mm-hmm. You know, and it that temperature is going to be maintained through the entire cook. All you have to do is keep adding pellets to the hopper. Mm-hmm. The other trick to a pellet smoker is you have to be very careful on the pellets that you buy because a lot of times they'll use alder wood mm-hmm. or some cheaper wood for the pellets and then they'll take the oil from the flavor of the wood so they'll say this is a cherry pellet yeah but it's really alder wood soaked in a cherry woods oil mm-hmm. that's how they get the cherry flavor as opposed to being a real real cherry, uh, cherry wood pellet mm-hmm. right now they say that the alder woods burn hotter and longer and that's why they do that and uh, when you get the real woods they don't tend to burn as long that wasn't necessarily my experience because mm-hmm. um, i found real wood pellets but just understand these are some of the nuances that come with smoking on a pellet smoker mm-hmm. but in the end i was like this is not for me and mm-hmm. i ended up selling that smoker to uh, a friend of mine um but i went out and then bought the uh, stumps smoker and this smoker was upwards of four thousand dollars and um this thing weighs 600 pounds and um i went down to florida to visit my mom and on the way back from florida i stopped in georgia Mm -hmm. where these smokers are made and i picked i had to rent a trailer because i was like can i just put it in the back of the truck they're like rent a trailer (laughs) (laughs) And, and so i rented a trailer and um drove that thing from Georgia because I drove to Florida and I mm-hmm. drove that thing from Georgia all the way back to uh, Maryland uh, where I live. Mm-hmm. And and then I called a buddy who I'm forever indebted to because I was like, listen, I have nobody that's in the area. Everybody's gone for the holidays. I want to get this smoker into my backyard because I plan on seasoning it and then using it immediately for Christmas dinner. Mm-hmm. And so 
here's me and this guy trying to get a 600 pound smoker into my backyard. (laughs) And thankfully my neighbor came out and was like, Oh, you guys need a hand. And that was just enough of help that we needed as strong as I am that this thing was killing us. We could not get it into the house, Mm -hmm. this wheel to the back. It had wheels and stuff, but Mm -hmm. you had to get it to the house. Mm -hmm. But this smoker by far is like a a professional smoker. Mm -hmm. And uh, like, you know, whereas on the Mac, I could probably do maybe two briskets on this thing. I can do four briskets. I can do 16 whole chickens on here. I can do 16 <laughs> racks of ribs. Mm-hmm. Like this thing is beyond it's metal, but mm-hmm. the metal is like two inches thick. Yeah. I so mean, temperature is yeah. not a problem. Exactly. That's what I what was to say. Like it, it, the reason why it's so heavy is because it keeps the temperature. Exactly. It right. has to have that. that it has to have it. Yeah. And that's one of the things I'll point out too. When you're buying a smoker, you really need to pay attention to how thick the material is for the smoker because the thicker it is, the more it can hold the heat. Mm-hmm. Unless you have like one that has, you know, a, a fan or something. But even if it does, you're still going to burn through your wood and your mm-hmm. charcoal and all that stuff. But pay attention to that, those type of things because those things are important when it comes to smoking. Uh, food because you know the long once you start getting into those bigger meats the briskets and mm-hmm. the the uh, pork shoulders and stuff like that the hams and all of that stuff you really need to be able to maintain temperature yeah absolutely this is fascinating i mean i i, I absolutely think you should have like a, a barbecue <laughs> podcast i mean the first the first like 30 episodes you i mean it's basically just all some, all about smokers i don't think we even scratched the surface there um no no <laughs> there's so much we could talk yeah. about you know because like you know there's equipment that you can get to maintain temperatures even on the charcoal smokers and the, which is what i use you mm-hmm. know i use a really cool piece of equipment that uh, has a fan that attaches to the to the blowhole mm-hmm. and then essentially you know i set the temperature on that thing and i can set it remotely and then it blows yeah. and keeps the temperature going and you know the different woods you can use you know like marrying the right wood with the right type of meat um makes all the difference and all of these things and this is why it's, when i go back to saying i hate sharing recipes because i spend so much money and so much time figuring out okay i like pecan wood with salmon you know i like hickory wood with you know some pork but i prefer now to use oak wood mm-hmm. with any like oak is like you know i use it as a base most of the time now and then i'll throw in like some pecan or if i'm doing something like a chicken i'll throw in mm-hmm. something fruitier um like a peach um, or use you like to use peach with pork as well but you know mm-hmm. you know uh, good, yeah. cherry with a beef you know adding some mm-hmm. cherry with you know all of these things i didn't i didn't just like poof there it is you know what i mean i had to try that stuff and had to try it out i have to buy these you know these things and you know and especially when you're starting out and you go through you know uh it's not always good and you know Mm -hmm. by far probably the hardest thing to smoke is a brisket Mm -hmm. and uh because it takes so long and there's such a fine line between good brisket and you just wasted 14 hours. Yeah, life. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's the problem. <laughs> There's no quick redo for that one. <laughs> no, no, no. You're going to eat it. You know, exactly. Eat it like, no matter what. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's so true. Thank you, thank you so much for doing this. I mean, this was oh my pleasure. It was such a great episode. Um, I really enjoyed it. I mean, I knew I knew we would talk a little bit about barbecue and about. Uh, I was really surprised about everything else. Um, like had an interesting life and, and, and yeah absolutely and I, I said i I don't feel like we've even scratched the surface i think i have to no, so have you back gonna, at some point and then i'm gonna come back and we'll start yeah. with barbecue and we'll get into the different 
you know, things to try and the mm-hmm. different, the different foods yeah. and stuff like that. We'll just, definitely do that. Yeah, uh, it's, sure. a, it's just, I mean, I have so many, so many questions still I've already written down for next time. So all right, perfect. Uh, we'll, we'll do that. Um, yeah, thank you so much. Uh, tell tell the good people, the good listeners, where they can find you. Oh, you can always catch your boy on the SMR podcast, Simple Mobile Review Podcast. A lot of people ask what it means. I mean, we don't really talk about it much, but we used to have a website called Simple Mobile Review. And uh, yeah, we, it's me and my two friends, and we get on there and we talk tech. Uh, we all work in the uh, enterprise uh, software industry, but we've all got a passion for mobile tech. But, you know, we're real friends. And so when you listen to our show, you actually feel like you're sitting on in on a conversation with, with some buddies and it's a lot of fun. And a lot of people enjoy uh, hanging out with us. And uh, you know, we could, we talk in a lot of personal conversations, um, you know, whether it be smoking food or mm-hmm. talking about, uh, you know, woodworking, which a couple of us have a passion for or, or getting into at least and uh, you know, everything. So check us out smrpodcast.com and you can catch me on Twitter at big Chris Ashley. Yeah, exactly. Um, I'm going to write that down so I don't forget. Um, yeah, you can find me and everything I do at thepatrice.com. You can find this very podcast at foodieflashback.com. And if you, like Chris, want to be a guest on the episode and talk about, I don't know, your experience with barbecue or any literally anything else, even if you're not a foodie, even if you don't care about food, there's always a story to that. Uh, we had already people on the show that like said, I don't care about food. For me, it's very functional. And then we, we figured out why, and it was very interesting. So if you want to be on, um, yeah, just reach out to me and we will just schedule something. We'll, we'll figure out the time and then you can be on as well. Like you don't have to be even like, I mean, we're podcasters, so like we have the experience, but you don't have to be like, all you need is a microphone and some quiet space and a good internet connection. And then we can, we can talk. That's, that's all we need really. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks Chris for being here again and talk to you next time. Bye-bye.